Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 through 15, not through 17, through 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, and call a sacred assembly. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. This is the word of God for the people of God. So for the past several weeks now, we've been talking about the ways that God has promised us renewal in our lives has promised that as God is making all things new, so too is he making uh, you and me new as well. And more specifically, we've been talking about the habits and practices and spiritual disciplines uh, that are given to us as gifts so that we might more fully experience that renewal in our lives in real and meaningful ways. Now, this, thus far, we've been talking about, uh, about disciplines that most of us already kind of think about, at least hopefully. We, we know that we're supposed to read Scripture. We know that it's good to pray and to come together to worship God so that we can take our spirit of worship out into the world beyond Sunday morning. We already do these things, or we know at least that it might be good for us to do them, that these are ways that we can grow closer to God ways that have been given to us as gifts to do so. But this morning, we're going to take a step into uh, the world of spiritual disciplines that we might not think as much about. I have to admit, I'm, uh, I was a little bit nervous writing this sermon and thinking about talking this morning because uh, we're getting into a kind of sensitive area, especially here in the South, because there are few things that are more important to us than food. It's amazing how seriously we take food. I mean, I know that talking politics can get heated, but have you ever argued with somebody about where to find the best barbecue? It's amazing how significant this is to people, how important it is, and it's also amazing how many people don't know that the answer is Texas. In our lives, we have professional chefs and we have chefs that even are raised up to the level of being celebrities who people will tune into with their televisions to watch cook and to learn how to cook from them. Food is central to our lives. People will pay unbelievable amounts of money for certain meals. I mean, there are places that you can go where 
you're going to be looking at $150 a plate, and those are just the ones that are high-end for us regular folks. There are even more extravagant places than that. People take pride in being good cooks. It's something that we can brag about, and for good reason, because when people find out that you're a good cook, they're going to want to spend more time with you, because people enjoy good food. Food brings us together in communities. There's a reason why the stereotype is that churches gather around potlucks, because there's something special about sharing a meal with one another. And more than just that, food ties us to our heritage and our history. So many of us learn to cook from our parents. And there are certain smells and tastes that just take us straight back to our childhoods. There was a movie that came out several years ago now called Ratatouille, which if you haven't seen it, it's a movie about a rat who loves to cook. Um, And in this movie, uh, there's a few points where somebody will take a bite of food and it's like fireworks are going off. It shows them Uh, going right back to their childhood homes, remembering the smells and the flavors that came out of their mother's kitchens. And food has that power. Food, uh, it, it encompasses all of our senses and draws us in. And as many of us know, food controls our emotions in ways that we might not expect to. Just think about those moments after Thanksgiving at lunch or dinner when you're stuffed and satisfied and happy and all you want to do is uh, sit back in a recliner and take a nap because you're contented. And we also all know, I'm sure, uh, what it's like to be hangry, uh, to be so hungry that you get irritable. And if, if you don't know what it's like to be around somebody that's hangry, then chances are pretty good that somebody in your family does. There's no question that food is a central part of our culture and our lives. I mean, we have to eat, after all. So it shouldn't be surprising that it can make a powerful impact on our spiritual lives, too. One of the ways that this is true is through fasting. This is why I say this makes me a little bit nervous because we don't talk about fasting as often in worship or in our communities as we do say worship. But the truth is that fasting is way too prominent in Scripture for us to just ignore. I mean, think of the book of Job. When Job was overcome by grief and loss in his life, what did he do? He fasted. He put ashes on his head and wore sackcloth uncomfortable, itchy clothing because he was mourning. People fasted for grief and for repentance. Religious fasts were just as much a part of life for Israel as religious feasts were. Prophets fasted so that they could come closer to God. Advisors to kings fasted so that they could bring wisdom and lead the kingdom to success. And kings themselves fasted too. But I don't want to just present this as the Bible has a lot of fasting in it, so you should do it too. In fact, as you look back through Christian history, there's a lot of talk about fasting. People fast out of earnest conviction of their sin. It's a natural response to grief. 
but they also fast to foster seriousness of spirit, to set aside the levity of everyday life. And remember that we're talking about things of the highest importance here. And then people fast as an aid to prayer because somehow through intentionally fasting, intentionally setting aside something that brings pleasure, we're able to better recognize and trust God's power. The fact is, though, that fasting is not fun. In fact, it's kind of terrible uh, most of the time. It's something that's hard uh, and unpleasant. But a lot of times renewal, and that's what we're talking about, is renewal. A lot of times renewal means stepping outside of the comfortable parts of life so that we can experience change. Now, here's a disclaimer for this. Not everybody can or should fast. Not in the sense of skipping meals, at least. There are legitimate reasons that that should just be off the table altogether. But the truth is that fasting is a part of a bigger spiritual discipline, something much broader than just skipping a meal every now and then. Fasting is a part of the discipline of abstinence or temperance, self-control, setting aside things that bring us pleasure, uh, sensory pleasure, for the sake of letting our spirits grow closer to God. Food comes to mind first because it captures all of our senses, like I said, and that makes it an easy indulgence to recognize, but it goes beyond that. So this ends my justification for why we should at least talk about fasting. And in truth, what we're really looking at as a way of experiencing renewal is the self-control part of this. It's good to fast. It's good to say every once in a while, I'm going to make myself slightly uncomfortable. I'm going to skip a meal or two meals, some people do, so that I can focus on God and trust in God. But the truth is, what this is tapping into is a simple fact. That's that there are huge things happening all around us. God is at work in our lives, in our communities, and in our world, all throughout the world. But it's so easy for us to get distracted by our desires. We have a lot to celebrate, friends. We know what God has done, that through Christ we can know full life, we can know abundant life, that through the gift of his Spirit we can know what it means to grow in faith, to be drawn closer to God and closer to holiness. We know that there is amazing work being done in the lives of our neighbors and our friends and our families, and we should celebrate that. But celebration is not the only part of Christian faith. We have to also make room for reverence, for quiet humility, and for serious reflection. Because if we don't recognize just how deep our need for grace is, then we can't truly celebrate just how abundant that grace actually is in our lives. We have to find the balance. We can't be 
all seriousness because that's miserable. And that forgets about grace. But we also can't be all celebration because that forgets about need. The truth is, if we can find a balance between the two, between this reflection and this celebration, then we'll find that each one builds up the other to make them both more meaningful. What fasting does, whether it's fasting from food or finding something else in our lives that is pleasant to set aside for a time, what fasting does is make us slightly uncomfortable to break the hold that luxury and indulgence has on our attention. And it can do that in amazing ways, but what it doesn't do is make us immune to temptation. I mean, if you look at our scripture this morning, Jesus had just come out from his baptism being announced by God that this was my son and I am well pleased in him. He had the Holy Spirit descend on him and it says he went out with the Spirit. And Jesus, even in the midst of fasting for 40 days, was tempted by the devil, it says. and He was hungry. But what happens in fasting is that we come to realize that there is more to life than just comfort. God gives us strength to focus on Him when we're distracted by the world. When Jesus was hungry, God gave Him strength to continue to focus on the work that was being done. Fasting is an aid to prayer in this way because it gives us the opportunity to better recognize our need. It gives us the opportunity to better recognize the abundance of God in moments where we have very little, where we've stepped away from the comforts that we have, we can recognize that God is still abundantly present. That God is all around and with us in every moment. And in moments of hunger or desire, we can recognize that God gives us comfort and peace. And finally, in those moments where it seems like we have nothing, where we have very little, where we set aside the desires and pleasures of this world, we recognize that we have blessed assurance and salvation through Christ. You know, you hear stories all the time of people who are so successful and want for nothing, and yet still find themselves feeling hopeless and lonely and empty. We can have everything in this world and still lack satisfaction because we don't have the most important thing of all, and that is this blessed assurance. But in times of fasting where we set aside those comforts, we can find that no matter how much we set those things aside, God's Grace and presence is never less because of it. Fasting, abstinence, and temperance, these self-controlling disciplines, give us the clarity to realize that we need more than just bread to live. We need the bread of life. We need more than just the things of this world, the comforts and pleasures and indulgences. Because even if we have all of it, we're still missing something. 
But here's the good news, is that regardless of whether you're coming from a place of having much or having little or nothing at all, God's abundant grace is present in all of those and available to you regardless of where you're coming from. What we see when we set it all aside, when we exert this self-control as a discipline, is that even if we had nothing, God would be present and working. And when the fast ends, we remember that God is still working. God's grace is available to every single person, each and every one of us, to you and to me alike. And we see that in this discipline. We see that what we need is the bread of life, and God offers that freely to us. Thanks be to God.